0: Well, let's hear it for Dan Clare, our uh, relationally intelligent resident uh, in training. Thank you, Dan, for doing that. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about tonight and what we're going to continue to discover with one another as we've been on this journey together of uh, relationship revival And uh, whenever Jared asks me to teach, uh, my first response is to come up with reasons why not to. um, And to usually, you know, try and find a better way for for him to take the message. And he said, you know, I really really would love for you to do this one. And so the more I began to pray about it and the more I began to ask God, uh, you know, Lord, what do you most want to share uh, and and what do you most want me to share? Um, I just, I'm thrilled about some of the places that he's, taught me and some of the things that he's been revealing to me in my own life. And I'm honored to be able to pass those on this evening. And anytime that I teach any time that I study and um, open God's Word uh, to, to come and to share with you. There's always uh, lots of different people that inform my thinking and inform my, my insights. And two really uh, influential ones are two books that I read. Uh, and I read them a while ago, but I reread them in a the study for this. Uh, the first is John Ortberg's The Me I Want to Be. And I know many small groups around here have gone through that book. It's just such a great book in understanding who we are and understanding how we relate to one another. And the second is a book actually called Relational Intelligence, and it's written by a guy named Steve Sacone. and both of those uh, were huge blessings to me. Um, so I always like to, to pass on um, that whatever wisdom God gives to me, oftentimes it comes from lots of other leaders and teachers and, and thinkers. So uh, before we dive in, I would love to be able to pray for us, and, um, and then we'll keep moving. Father, I pray that this evening that you would be our master teacher. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be set loose in this room. That your Holy Spirit would do the work of encouragement and blessing and challenge and conviction. And Father, I pray that you would grow each of us. I pray that a revival would be set forth because of what you do here tonight in our relational worlds, God. And I trust you completely. And I put myself and and all of us in your hands, God. And I ask that you would teach us here this evening. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, obviously, as we watched that interview uh, that Dan did, which was, you know, not so truly relationally intelligent. Maybe when you watched it, you had a moment where you thought, I've actually been in a situation like that before. Like, I've actually been talking with someone, or I've been in a conversation with another person, and, you know, we were sharing deep things, or, you know, we were really starting to connect, and their phone went off. Or, you know, maybe they're, their phone lit up and, and they had a text that came in. And, you know, they didn't say in the moment like, hey, I'm gonna, I need to return this real quick or, you know, can I take this phone call? And instead what they did was they tried to multitask in the moment where, you know, they like were sort of nodding with you like, yeah, totally, I'm hearing everything that you're saying. But they're like on their phone returning the text message, you know, or, you know, or, or they're talking or something like that. How many of you have ever been in a situation like that? Yeah, it's very frustrating. Okay, how many of you have ever done that to another person? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and in the moment, we don't think about it, but in some ways, it's, it's a form of communicating a lack of relational intelligence. Maybe you've been uh, in a group setting before, and uh, you know you guys were all hanging out, you were with some friends, you were with, with a bunch of people, and you know, you're talking, having a great time, and then somebody pipes up and says something. And they say this something, and literally everyone in the room feels that uncomfortability. Because what they just said was utterly inappropriate and insensitive. And it's this terrible feeling, and you, like, you, you're like looking for the exit signs. You're trying to like, get them out of the room, and it's just this terrible, awkward, awful feeling. How many of you have ever been in a setting like that before? Yeah, I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you were the person that contributed to the comment, um, but yeah, these are, these are moments when we experience relational unintelligence. Or maybe you, you have a friend or you know somebody and, and the second you start to tell a story or the second you start to share something that's going on in your life, they pipe right in and they're like, oh yeah, that, that happened to me once. Or, or I had this thing, oh, exact same story. And you're starting down a path and, and they sort of interrupt it and, and sidetrack it with their own story. Or maybe there's the person that, you know, you really, you just sort of wanted to go out and you wanted to chat and you were hoping for, you know, just sort of a give and take conversation, just an opportunity to listen to one another. And you sort of dropped, you know, maybe a a dilemma or something that you were working through and you weren't, you were not at all interested in advice. But they literally just sort of like take out a book, you know, and they're like, "Let me flip to page seven. Here's exactly what you should do," you know, and they just sort of like start doling out the relational doctor advice. Now, these situations they are not like deep relational offenses. Um, oftentimes, though, when something like this happens, it's a subtle indicator that there's a relational awareness issue going on, or a relational intelligence issue. Now, I'm sure that many of you right now, probably what you're thinking about is, gosh, I knew I should have invited that person to church. Like, I knew I should have brought them this weekend. Like, and and you're thinking through all of the people that struggle with a lack of relational intelligence, okay? Now, let me just remind you, our our own inability to see our limitations and our inability to recognize our own dysfunctions and pick them out in others is often what most stifles our ability to build and establish a healthy relationship. You know, when, when we're able to, to see a relational dysfunction in another person and not be able to see it in ourselves, that is often one of the first signs that we are headed down a path of stifling healthy relationships in our world. And what's so fascinating to me about this idea of relational intelligence and the importance of relational intelligence is you think about the amount of education that's available in our world. You think about the amount of information that we can attain, the amount of information that we can learn. But for whatever reason, I believe that this area of relational intelligence continues to be an area where people continually struggle. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, maybe you've been in a conversation or you have observed it, you know, off in the distance, someone say this phrase, I'm just not good at relationships. I'm I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to confess. I'm just not good at relationships. Maybe that was somebody that you dated at some point. They, They said that, right? How many of you have ever heard somebody say that phrase? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like this escape clause to get out of a relationship. I'm just not good at this. I'm sorry. I got to go, you know? Other people, they'll, they'll say things like, I just, I don't know. I just don't know how to communicate, especially with the opposite sex. I mean, it's like they're literally speaking another language, okay? How many of you have ever heard somebody say this about the opposite sex, yeah, how many of you have said this? Yeah, a few of us in this room. Or maybe it's the phrase, you know, I'm just not sure what she wants or what he wants. And so I'm just going to give up. This is too difficult. It's too hard to try and wrap my mind around what this person relationally wants or needs. Uh, it's so fascinating that, that we as adults have such a hard time with this because you look at kids and it's the exact opposite, isn't it? Kids, they don't struggle with this kind of relational intelligence. My son, Elijah, uh, he's in kindergarten, and he so um, warmly gave the announcements with me last week. He really showed how much he wanted to be up here with me. And... um, you know he's in kindergarten and he has a best friend, and her name is Katie. And uh, they're best friends. They they love hanging out with each other every Monday after school. Elijah goes to Katie's house, and every Friday Katie comes and plays at our house. I think I brought a picture along um, of Elijah and Katie. So yeah, so they're like they're BFFs. They're trying to catch up with one another on who's going to lose the most amount of teeth, you know, fastest. Um, she's ahead right now. But they were at our house uh, last, a couple, couple Fridays ago, and, and I was chatting with them, and they were hanging out, and they were playing, and, and they came in, and they were sitting up you know, on the stools, and they were having a snack. And I said, Elijah and Katie, you know, you guys, you always talk about how you're best friends. And they stopped me right midsection. They're like, we're not best friends. We're BFFs. And I was like, okay. Duly noted, BFFs. I'm curious. What makes you BFFs? And they just looked at each other real quickly and were like, well, that's simple. We like all the same things. And I was like, oh, okay, so so that's what makes, you know, an easy relationship. You just, you like all the same things. And they're like, yeah, we both like afternoon recess. We both really like playing spy games and we both really like hot dogs. So that's why we're BFFs. And I'm like, got it. I understand. Totally, totally get it. And it's so simple to them. And they have this beautiful little friendship with one another. And somewhere along the way, it gets complicated though, doesn't it? What's so simple and what's so easy, it it gets so eroded along the way. And we lose our relational intelligence. Oftentimes, when we find ourselves in adolescence, we realize just how self-conscious we are or how self-focused we become. And oftentimes, this ends up continuing into adulthood. And for many people, their relational intelligence starts to become very me-centric versus being able to see other people. And building life-giving relationships becomes really tricky when the only person that you're looking at in the relationship is you. And how we choose to relate to one another is the single greatest impact on our lives. Like, how we do relationships with one another and how we do relationships with God, our relational world and how we choose to interact with one another and how we choose to interact with God is the single greatest impact on our lives, not just for now but in eternity. So becoming relationally intelligent is of utmost importance. I've got a sort of working definition of what relational intelligence is. And, and I just made this up, so um, you know it's, it's not really all that profound. But relational intelligence is the ability to listen to and learn from so that we can love well. Okay, It's this ability that we can listen to and we can learn from another person or from God for the purpose of loving well. Relational intelligence is always for the end result of love. In fact, you read the Gospels, which um, if you've never read through the Gospels, I would highly encourage you to do it because Jesus is just a beautiful picture of relational intelligence. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Jesus, he embodies every single ounce of the intersection of intelligence and relationships. He literally knew what to do in every encounter with every person because he knew how to read himself and he knew how to read others. You think about this for a moment. He knew when someone needed compassion. But then a few moments later, he knew when somebody needed to be challenged. He didn't just take this moment over here and this person over here and he knew that they needed compassion and he just sort of said, well, I'm going to take this situation and I'm just going to translate it over here. He knew how to listen and learn and he knew what to offer different people in different environments. So he knew when he needed to offer compassion and he knew when he needed to offer a challenge. He knew when someone needed to hear the truth and he knew when someone needed to receive grace. Grace. He knew when someone needed to be taught and he knew when someone needed to just have a listening ear. He knew when someone needed to hear a story and he knew when somebody needed to be rebuked. And we could easily dismiss and, and, you know, sort of say, well, of course, of course you're going to use Jesus as the ultimate relationally intelligent person. Like, he's the son of God, okay? Like, give me another human that maybe learned how to do this. But I believe, I truly believe, because of what the pages of scriptures indicate, that we are invited into that same kind of life. You see, all throughout the pages of the gospels, Jesus invites us to emulate, to model, to live out the same example that he set forth for us. In Genesis 1 and 2, it says that we're created in the image of God. That God looked at his relational dynamic between himself and the Son and the Trinity, and he said, let's fashion these people after us. So we came from relationship for relationship. And in that experience, I believe that we have that same opportunity to be just as relationally intelligent as Jesus. The scriptures say in Proverbs that that God is in charge of human life. He's watching and examining us from the inside out. Isn't that amazing? That as God watches over our lives, he doesn't just examine our behaviors on the exterior. He sees everything that's going on on the interior. And if this is true, and I believe that it is, that we are created in the image of God, that that means that we have this same ability available to us. We have the ability to read our own hearts and to be able to read the hearts of another person. And God wants us to be able to do this. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus on a regular basis, he asks unbelievable, sobering questions in fact, there's a moment in the book of Mark when, when he had been in this sort of mixed crowd and he had just done an incredible miracle and, and there were disciples there and there were Pharisees there and there were religious leaders there and he'd just done this amazing miracle and, and then he has this conversation with a bunch of people and, and he just performed an unbelievable act. He had fed all these people and they get into this conversation about bread and the disciples are like, are we going to have any more bread? And he's like, did you not just see what I did? Like, did you not just see what I, what I took care of? And he asks this unbelievable question. And I think it's such a wise, relationally intelligent question that Jesus asks in this moment. He says, do you have eyes but fail to see? And do you have ears but fail to hear? And it's just this tiny little question, packed in the book of Mark, but I believe that it is a very important question when it comes to our relational intelligence. Because often, in our reading of ourselves, in our reading of others, our eyes don't really see, do they? We don't really see what's truly going on in the life of another person, or sometimes even on the inside of of ourselves. Or our ears don't really hear what someone is saying to us. And when our eyes don't see and our ears don't hear, that is when we start to walk down a path of becoming relationally unintelligent. So we put together a little assessment to help us try and better read ourselves. And it's in your seat back in front of you. You can grab it. And it was put together for the purpose of us being able to open our eyes and maybe open our ears a little bit. Uh, when it comes to being able to see ourselves. So we're going to give you, we've done, you know, a little assessment the last two weeks. We're going to give you another few moments to fill this out. It's pretty self-explanatory. We've got some cheesy background music to keep you very inspired and, um, you know, uh, excited as you you go through this. But we're going to give you two minutes and just walk through these nine different scenarios and answer the questions as honestly as you can, okay? So we're going to put the timer up and we'll be done in two minutes. All right, so time is up. put your pens down. Uh, at the nine o'clock service this morning, there was a woman that kept going through and changing all of her husband answers uh, on the on the list. So that's not allowed. I should have said that at the beginning. Um, I'm not sure how you answered these questions, uh, but most likely, uh, they reveal something. Uh, they reveal something about your relational intelligence. Now, we're not gonna like add them all up right now and then give you a number and say, here's what your relational IQ is. Um, That's not gonna happen right now. But most likely, what this revealed is maybe some areas where you need to learn to read yourself or maybe learn to read others. You look at that first question that's here on the assessment. When someone is telling me a long story, Okay, if, you, if you honestly answered and said, A, I listened contently, nodding and giving affirmation, um, I would describe you as um, a story collector. There's a part of you that, that loves to hear people's stories and receive them and collect them and in conversation sort of mirror them back to one another. It's a really healthy relational thing to do in relationships with one another. If you circled the next one, I listen just waiting for a chance to jump in with a story of my own, I would describe you as a person that has a very strong need to be heard. Um, you find those moments in conversation where you're not really listening, but you're just sort of going, they're going to pause, they're going to pause, they're going to pause. Yes, I can talk. You know, And, and, and they, they talk through all sorts of things, and you're not really listening to what they're saying. You're just waiting to insert your own story or your own insight or your own thought, you have a deep need to be heard. This is an area where you can grow in relational intelligence. If you said, I allow the story to be interrupted by text messages and phone calls, um, there's potentially a part of your relational world where you struggle with distraction and focus. And oftentimes, when we struggle with distraction and focus, it's because we don't want to pay attention to something that keeps coming up in our relational world. So we try to put something in place of it to keep us distracted or unfocused. If you put that, I zone out thinking about my to-do list, you probably have a tendency in your world towards selfish behavior. And when it comes to relationships, on a regular basis, you find yourself thinking more about you. Than the other person, some understanding in that first question. The second one, when I'm angry with someone, I most often a blow up at them, screaming and shouting. Um, oftentimes, the person, when when anger, when an angry uh, thing arises and, and anger comes up inside of them, and they end up blowing up and you know just trying to, to really respond. Oftentimes, it doesn't even have anything to do with the situation that just happened. Many times the person that responds with intense anger is repressing some sort of frustration and anger about something else that's going on in their lives. The next one, repress and stuff my anger until it spills out sideways. Um, This is the person that tends to hold on to things for way too long. They're the kind of person that, you know, two years ago something happened and they never came to you and they never talked with you about it, but two years later they're like, hey, remember that time? And you're like, two years ago? I can't remember two minutes ago. But this is the kind of person that holds on to something and they mull it over again and again and again in their mind. The person that avoids the tension. The person that avoids the struggle. I mean, this is the person that when there's something that's difficult or when there's an argument, when something arises and and you really get angry about it, you know, and the person starts coming towards you, you're like, what? Seriously, there's no problem. I really, I'm fine. I really like you. Really, really, I really do. You know, And, and, and you just try to, you give off this sense of nothing's wrong. Everything's okay. No problem here. And you always avoid the issue. And then D, address the issue with them calmly and directly. This is movement towards relational intelligence. On the back side, there's another question. Uh, When I have or have had a romantic interest in someone... So this is, a, this is an interesting question when it comes to relational intelligence, right? And hopefully you're not sitting next to a person that you have a romantic interest in because this is going to tell a lot about that person to you right now, and maybe you're really glad that, that you are. Uh, if you circled A, I come right out and tell them so. You would be the person in the relationship that we would say you are very bold, and we like you because we like to know what you're thinking. It is helpful in relationships to communicate, I like you. That's a very good thing. To say that to another human being is a very positive thing. I like you. We should go to coffee sometime. I'd like to hear your story. Maybe we could go out on a date. All of these things. These are great pickup lines. These are great things to be able to communicate. They're very healthy ways to ask somebody out to to spend time with you. This is a good, positive thing. The next person I play hard to get, um, we would affectionately call you the game player, okay? And I have seen uh, an obscene amount of emails um, from people that talk to me about this issue. I'm so confused. Last week we went and did this, and this week they did not speak to me. What does that mean? And often what I say is, they have begun the game, okay? They have started the game. They have initiated the game. You are now in the game. What game? There's a game. You're in it. You're playing it. You didn't know you were in it. They started it, but you're in it. And these types of things in relationships are very, very dangerous over time. They're very frustrating they're very maddening, and they start to, to build a case in our hearts towards the opposite gender, and God never intended that. The next one, I keep it a secret. This is the person that just sort of holds it in, and, you know, it's like, I really, I, I like them. I think they're great, and they just sort of smile. They never, they never appropriately communicate I like you. I would like to spend time with you. I think that would be a good thing for us. Do you think that? No, you don't? All right, then. Have a great day. You know, I mean, these are healthy, relational ways for us to connect with one another. But when we keep it a secret and when we hold it in and then that person doesn't communicate with us, we start to build a story inside of ourselves, don't we? Oh, they must like this other person. Yeah, I saw them looking at them. Yeah, they don't like me at all. And, 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 and we start to build this story and it breaks down relational connection with one another. Or the, lack, the last one here is, I convince myself that it'll never happen. And I've had lots of conversations with people about this. And when you don't take a risk, and when you don't initiate in a healthy way, you end up feeling frustrated because you're dealing with loneliness. And oftentimes you want to write that loneliness onto somebody else and make it their relational issue, not your own. I had coffee with a friend a few weeks ago, and she was talking um, about a dating relationship that she's in, and we were chatting back and forth, and she just stopped the conversation, and she's like, Jeannie, I just got to tell you, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but this is really hard. Dating is really, really hard. Hard. And I was like, I know, I did it one time, I, and I, I understand it's really, really hard. And she said, I just wish he would spell it out and tell me exactly what he was feeling. And I don't know how many of you have ever been in a relationship before. I don't know how many of you have ever had that moment um, where you thought, if they would just like, get out a nice like, cardboard sheet of paper, get a, get a Sharpie, and just write exactly what they're feeling... And then, you know, like, at the beginning of the date, just, like, flip it over and say, here's exactly what I'm feeling. I just wanted you to know. Here are my thoughts. I think we can now go have a nice date, you know, and and just, like, spell it out exactly. And I think many of us think it would just be so much easier if we all, like, wore signs around our neck, right? Right? You know, like, you think about this, like, somebody walks in and they got a big white billboard around their neck and it says, had a bad fight with my spouse this morning, feeling frustrated and angry, high potential that I'm going to take my frustration out on you. I mean, how awesome would that be? I'd be like, right on, thanks for telling me, I'm going to steer clear all day, okay? You need anything, you just let me know. I mean, it would be so great if we could communicate like that. Or or maybe here's another one. And this happens a lot in parenting. I feel like I'm a failing parent. It takes multiple times for my children to listen to my instructions. There's a high potential that I'm about to judge you because I think you're a better parent. I mean, wouldn't that change the relational dynamics between two sets of parents? Or, Or maybe this one. I'm feeling insecure. Because I haven't been out on a date in a while, and my assumption is that you date all of the time. Because my assumption about you is you're really good at being flirtatious, and in my mind, I think you're probably a lot more attractive to the opposite sex than I am. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that's going on beneath the surface in a person, right? And it would be so much easier if it could just be spelled out, right? on a nice old big piece of white cardboard hanging around our necks. And even though we don't have signs, people are always communicating. People are always revealing their thoughts and their emotions. It's just not always with words. As we said in the very beginning, relational intelligence is the ability to listen to and learn from so that we can love well. And when we really try to listen, and we really try to learn, it puts us in a stream to be able to love well with the other person. You think about some of the best athletes in the world. They are not just the best athletes because they have unbelievable physical abilities. It's also because they exercise their minds. The best athletes, they watch hours and hours and hours of film. They study their performance. The reason they do that, it is in an effort to become a better athlete. They know intuitively that the unexamined life is an ineffective life that if they don't examine how they physically respond on the field or how they physically respond on the court, that if they don't learn how to examine that, they are going to become ineffective over time. And to learn to read ourselves, we need to learn to listen to ourselves. We need to learn to examine ourselves. And reading ourselves is listening to what's going on on the inside. It requires asking honest questions about how we feel and then taking responsibility for whatever behavior follows that emotion. Asking myself, what makes me feel anxious? What are the things that bring anxiety to me? And when I'm feeling anxious, what do I do with that anxiety? It's a really healthy question. What makes you feel insecure? And when you feel that insecurity, what do you do with that insecurity? What makes you feel fearful? And when you experience that fear, what do you do with that fear? What makes you feel alone? And when you're dealing with that aloneness, how do you deal with the isolation? What makes you feel superior or prideful? And then what do you do with that arrogance? You see, listening to ourselves is essential to reading ourselves so that we can grow in relational intelligence. And not only do we need to listen to ourselves, we need to learn from others about ourselves. Inviting voices of wisdom and relationships of honesty into your world is one of the most relationally intelligent things that you can do. To say to a trusted friend or or somebody that you know has gotten to know you well, maybe they've seen you in a couple of different relational circles, to say, Can I take you to dinner or can I take you to coffee? And then sit down across from them and say, What's it like to be across from me? What's it like to be in relationship with me? What are some things that I do that help this relationship be a good relationship? And if you would lovingly tell me, what are some things that I could improve on? Could I be a better listener? Could I be better at being proactive in our friendship? Could I be better at maybe not talking so much? These are helpful things to do to learn to read ourselves. But not only do we need to learn to read ourselves to be relationally intelligent, we need to learn to read others. And Jesus was the master at this, wasn't he? I mean, he didn't even have to have somebody open their mouth. He was able to read the scene. He was able to read their body language. He was able to read their face. He was able to read the dynamics of whatever was going on. In our bodies, we send relational signals all the time. We're constantly communicating without words. And we need to learn to read these things from one another. Earlier this week, I was working in a coffee shop for uh, a couple of hours, and I was just trying to get a a few things done. And I had my headphones in, and I was trying to really focus and and get through a bunch of stuff. And so I couldn't hear anything that was going on in the coffee shop. I was just listening to my music in my head. But I was able to watch a bunch of different relational dynamics. And I watched a guy and a girl walk in, and they were sitting over sort of to the the side of me. And they were talking, and, and their relationship a dynamic in the beginning. They were sitting rather close to one another. And I observed over about a 30 minute period of time, their bodies started to spread apart from one another. They started to move back in their seats. She folded her arms at one point. And I can tell that they were either having a, a really difficult relational conversation or they were having their last relational conversation. Um, it was very evident. In their body language, what was going on. And I didn't even need to hear the conversation. There was another person over to my left, and uh, this guy walked in with a laptop, and another guy was sitting across from him, and he was in a suit. And uh, the guy with the laptop, um, he was very animated, and he was really excited about what would, was ever on the laptop. And I couldn't see what was on the laptop, but he kept pointing to it. He kept like referring, like, this is going to change your life kind of stuff. Like, and I could tell that as he was going through his presentation to the guy sitting across from him, he was selling something. He was, he was extending a pitch. And you could tell by his body language because of how animated he was. Well, after a couple of hours, I ended up leaving. And as I left the coffee shop, uh, there was a woman sitting over to the right down the way from where My car was parked, and um, she was sitting on the sidewalk, and she had a couple of bags with her, and I very quickly assessed that those were probably all of her earthly belongings. And I could tell before I even asked her her name or before we even started a conversation. I could tell by her shoulders. I could tell by the way that she was sort of slumped down. She wasn't looking up to the sky with hope. She was looking down to the sidewalk. I could tell just by her body before we had a conversation that life had been very hard for her. We communicate a lot without words, don't we? We communicate a lot about what's going on. We need to learn how to read these kinds of signals, especially in the most important relationships in our world, right? Right? You think about like in a marriage relationship. Husbands, how well are you listening to and learning from your wife? When you ask her a question, do you turn towards her? Do you look her in the eye? When you're calling out to her and she's in another room, do you maybe hit mute on Sports Center? Or do you maybe even sometimes turn it off to communicate, I want to be with you right now. I want to I wanna extend myself to you. I want to I wanna connect with you. Do you pursue conversation with her? Do you look to build her up? Wives, when it comes to listening to and learning from your husband's, Do you give him the space that he needs? Do you understand that he does not process like you do? He doesn't. Trust me. I've been married 15 years. My husband does not process the way I do. And I've had to learn in our marriage that oftentimes one of the greatest gifts that I can give to Jarrett, we joke about it, it's his 15 minutes, okay? When he comes home, he needs 15 minutes. He needs to just sort of, I don't know what he does, but he, he's got, he needs those 15 minutes. I, just, I have learned over 15 years, those 15 minutes are really important. It took me 15 years to learn about the 15 minutes, but I have learned about the 15 minutes. And those 15 minutes are oftentimes a great gift that I can give to him. Just needs to unwind. He needs to stop thinking. He doesn't want to verbally download. Wives, do you listen to what your husband is saying? Do you listen to what he's not saying? Are you patient when he doesn't communicate just like you communicate? Do you ask him questions like, how can I contribute to you feeling confident? Or how can I contribute to really setting an environment in our family and in our home where you really feel encouraged? These are important things that we need to learn to ask of one another. In a dating relationship, I have found that there is one question that has most affected positive dating relationships. And it usually happens at the end of the date. It usually happens at the end of an evening. It usually happens at an end of, you know, spending time with one another. And it is this question. This is what I heard you say. Did I hear you correctly? And oftentimes, at the end of the conversation, if the person, you know, sort of utters back to you, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. It's like, cool, great, see you later. You know, like, High five, or whatever else you do. Um, Probably don't high five if you're dating. So, um, but um, that's not in the notes. So, um, oftentimes, I have found lots of people in a dating relationship when they ask that question Hey, tonight when we were out and we were talking and we were out to dinner and we were having this great conversation, we were connecting, and it was really great. I heard you say this. Did I hear you correctly? And if the person sort of has a glazed look come over them, if they have this sense like, oh man, they clearly did not hear me correctly. And they they sort of launch into like another like, I think we got to talk about this again. You know, like you're about to do round two of that conversation. Um, That is a very relationally intelligent question to ask in a dating relationship. And if you are too afraid to ask that question, That relationship probably doesn't have a lot of time left on it. It's a very important question. in friendships, it's little things. Being able to say to a friend, hey, you know, when we're hanging out and we're connecting and we're talking, um, would you mind just, like, maybe putting your phone away for a little while? Maybe not returning every single text message that comes in? Or maybe in friendships, learning to ask better questions or give better answers. Maybe in a friendship, not talking so much or trying to choose to listen more. A couple of um, months ago, we were uh, praying at the end of the day, and I was up with Elijah, and we were praying together, and it's just the two of us, and um, he was going through like all the different people in our family, and he was praying for dad, and he was praying for mom, and we prayed for Molly, and, you know, Molly's our dog, and so we, we prayed for her. And then we got to Gigi, and he, you know, he prayed for Gigi, and he said, Dear God, thank you for Gigi. God, will you please help Gigi not talk so much? <laughs> and then we got, we got done with the whole prayer, and he was like, Mom, I don't know if God can do it. Like, and it was, it was really, it was so sweet on his part. And inside I was thinking, I don't know if he can either. Like I didn't, and I didn't want to say that out loud. Um, But some of you, your friends pray that for you. They pray that for you because they want the give and the take and the beauty that comes from listening to and learning from one another. This is one of the things that I love most about small groups. It's this incredible opportunity to be in a circle of people and to learn how to do these things. It's like it's like a built-in training spot for relational intelligence. It's so wonderful. I, I just got to finish a round of of being in an incredible group with some amazing women and before we started the group you know a few of us knew one another but we didn't really all know each other and i watched over that 3 month period of time these relationships come together and 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 people learning how to become relationally intelligent with one another there was a, there was a moment one monday night when a woman was really struggling And there were some things that happened in her life. And and she very clearly communicated that she just needed to share what was going on. She just needed a community that was willing to listen. And I loved watching this small group of women just listen and nod their head and care for her. And not one person, like, piped up with the answer. Not one person piped up with, well, here's what you should do. I've been in that situation, and this is what I did, and here's how it got fixed. And it became this relational, uh, just beautiful space for us to listen. Another week, um, there was a woman in the group that was just processing through some relational patterns in her world, and she was trying to figure out, like, "I I keep finding myself in this situation, and I'm not sure why I'm in this situation. What do you guys see? And it was this wonderful opportunity for us to to lovingly provide feedback. And we need places. And we need people like this in our world where we can listen to and we can learn from so that we can ultimately love well. And that's the end goal, isn't it? So that we can love one another well. And when we do this for one another when we listen to and we learn from, we give an incredible gift, don't we? To give that kind of gift to another person, to really listen to them, to really hear them, to really learn them, to understand their story, we give them an incredible gift of love. And sometimes it comes um, packaged in a way that maybe we wouldn't have predicted it. I had this experience a couple weeks ago. And somebody gave me an incredible gift of love. There's a, a relationship that's really important to me. And this is a person that we've been friends for a number of years now. And, uh, and she really means a lot to me. And um, you know, we had had a hard time connecting with one another. We had a hard time um, you know, getting our calendars in sync. And it had gone on for, for way too long. So we finally, we set up a time and we said, okay, we're going to get together. We're going we're to really talk. And she sat down and she said, Jeannie, I want to share a few things with you. And in a very loving way, she said, you know, in our relationship, you say these things to me. She listed off a few things that I've verbally communicated to her. Things that are true, things that I mean, things that are important to me. She said, but my experience with you over the last few months, is that your actions, they don't meet those things that you say. And it's really hurt me. And I wanted to bring that to you, and I wanted to tell you. And in that moment, I knew, I just knew, I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you're just like, just right on. Even if I wanted to be defensive, there's no point. She's right. She's right. And oftentimes when I, um, when I feel God prompting me to share stories like that, the real honest part of me wants to be able to stand up here and say, and what we did was we talked about it and we shared with one another and then we got down on our knees and we prayed with one another and we sang a hymn with one another and then we stood up and we raised our hands and we said, hallelujah, we're healed, you know, and, and that didn't happen. That didn't happen. There was a lot of hurt that we had to to weed through and to navigate through. And I needed to really own some things in that relationship and extend forgiveness. And she lovingly received that and extended it back to me. Friends, um, scriptures are really clear. There's a command in the scriptures, actually, that says, those who love God must also love one another. Those who love God must also love one another. And you cannot be a relationally intelligent person and only love God. It's not possible. You have to learn to love others well. And the way to do that." is by listening to and learning from so that you can extend God's heart of love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the ways that you are growing me in this area of my life. I thank you, God, for my friend that was courageous enough and really loving enough to shine a light on an area where I need to grow as a relationally intelligent person. God, thank you that your grace is always available and that your forgiveness is plentiful. And I pray now, God, for my friends in this room, and and maybe they're even thinking about a relationship in their world, maybe a friendship or a dating relationship or a husband or a wife or a person that they work with where they really have not extended relational intelligence. And Jesus, I pray right now that you would shine your beautiful light in on that relationship. That you would give them the courage and the boldness and and maybe even the guts, God, um, to step in and to learn to listen to that person and to learn from that person so that their relationship can better emulate your love, God. We are so grateful for your son, Jesus. We are so grateful for his incredible example of teaching us how to be relationally intelligent. And God, we so long, we so long to be more like Jesus. So we pray that you would change us and transform us. We pray this in your name. Amen.